bit late today, ten thirty, so I might keep this one shorter. Um, usually try to jump on by ten, but alas, it is what it is. But I'll give uh, I'll give it some time to breathe and see if anybody comes on. If you're watching by replay, I appreciate it. So how's everybody feeling out there? <clears throat> All right, so um, something I've been thinking about this week <clears throat> that I wanted morning is uh, kind of atmosphere do you create? So let, let me start it this way. I'm sure we're all somewhat familiar with the serenity prayer. <clears throat> when I was in history, we used to make fun of the serenity prayer a lot. You know, God, uh, I think it goes something like this. God grant me the wisdom to change the things I can't, or to grant me the wisdom to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Help me accept the things that I cannot change, change the things I can, and the difference. So one of the things early on in my awakening, uh, and I'm going all the way back to 2016 when I woke up and realized that uh, I was following a program. I was following a pattern in terms of my religious experience uh, to a large degree, following a deeply ingrained, deeply held um, belief system that I inherited from childhood and from early adulthood, churches that I attended, the leaders that I followed, the books that I was reading. And realized that there were aspects of it that really worked for me and that I really um, grew from and benefited from. And there were aspects of it that did not fit me at all. But at the end of the day, it was all just a programming that I was following. And anybody that's had a real awakening, I mean a real awakening. A real awakening isn't just you changed your mind, you you, uh, You deconstructed. There's a difference between deconstruction and awakening. Deconstruction is I'm leaving behind an old belief system that doesn't work for me. Awakening is I'm waking up to the fact that I've been programmed. I've been programmed by society. I've been programmed by religion. I've been programmed by family. And as a result of that, there is a lot of disconnection and dysfunction that's taking place in my life. One of the problems that we have I think that we're seeing evangelicalism today, particularly that sort of extreme brand. I'm talking about the new apostolic reformation, the sort of far right, charismatic, white evangelical Christian nationalism stuff, uh, that's out there. <laughs> um, Is and, and here's the problem. Here's the problem with like just religion in general is that it forces things, or it can it can force things onto us because the belief, the underlying belief is is that one system, one way, one path is right for everybody, and the people who have embraced that and really. More often than not, the people that are benefiting from it, the power brokers, the people that are benefiting um, in, in some sense from propagating that belief system, whatever it may be, 
Um, but it's being imposed on other people. And so we see this. So real awakening, here's what I'm trying to say. Real awakening happens when I realize that the atmosphere, the environment that I'm in has not been conducive for my highest good or my greatest benefit. And so I want you to think about atmospheres for a minute. Um, a lot of what we talk about in therapy, psychology, spiritual circles has to do from changing on the inside, um, living from the inside out, living authentically, connecting with the heart, connecting the brain with the heart, and then living out of that space, uh, having real authenticity, having real integrity. And a lot of that is an inside job. It's a lot of inside work. But it's also true that there are specific environments that are conducive for life. So, for example, if you've ever had an aquarium with some kind of an exotic fish, then you understand that in order for that fish to survive, in order for it to flourish, the ecosystem in the aquarium has to be kept in a perfect balance. If it gets out of balance, if that ecosystem gets out of balance, then the fish are going to die, right? Or fish have to live in water. Uh, some fish have to live in salt water. Some fish have to live in fresh water. Uh, you can't expect them to live outside of water. If you take them outside of water, they're going to die. There are certain trees that grow in Colorado, and there are trees that, like palm trees, that don't grow in Colorado because it's the wrong atmosphere. It's the wrong environment. And so there is this interplay between what's going on inside of us and the environment that we have around us. And if we think that our environment is not affecting us, then we are mistaken. And this is where the wisdom of the serenity prayer comes in. Because the question becomes, what is it in my environment that I have enough influence, enough control over that I can actually change? And what is it in my environment that I cannot change and that I need to learn to adapt to? And if there are things in my environment that I cannot change, then I need to practice acceptance towards those things. Because otherwise, I'm generating a lot of stress inside of myself through resistance. Resistance is stress-inducing. So here's what I mean by that. We're getting ready to head into, well, I guess we're already into another uh, presidential election cycle. It's hard, still hard for me to believe that we're already four years removed from that crazy year <laughs> that shall not be named. Um, and this is a time when we're going to see, I assume, a lot of tension and resistance from people on different sides. Uh, American politics has been really, really good. The media has been really, really good at dividing us over people we don't even know, over issues we don't even fully comprehend, um, and over, you know, real problems and then sometimes manufactured problems or catastrophized problems. One of the things that we look for in therapy when we're trying to help people. It's part of cognitive behavioral therapy. 
is you look for what's called in cognitive behavioral therapy, a cognitive distortion of catastrophizing. So that's taking something that is uncomfortable, taking something that is an inconvenience, taking something that is definitely a problem, but taking that problem and magnifying it and turning it into a catastrophe. You could say making a mountain out of a molehill. And there's a lot of that that goes on during a political season, especially a presidential election year, because, you know, one side's vying for your vote, trying to get you to vote for them. And unfortunately, you know, political pundits have discovered that fear-mongering and division is the way to go. (laughs) It's much better than trying to bring solutions to a problem, right? So if you hold to any kind of political stances, political beliefs, um, political positions about things that are important to you, when you are presented with someone espousing a different idea, supporting a different candidate, being on the other side of the aisle, if you will, uh, then we can feel a lot of resistance towards that idea. We can feel a lot of resistance towards that person. I know I've done this a lot in my life, and we get sucked into this thing, and it just it, it, it creates a lot of division, right? So I'm using this as an example uh, where... You know, you might be scrolling social media and see something and immediately feel resistance and want to comment on it or want to respond to it. On our family members who think differently or friends or colleagues or coworkers or neighbors who think completely differently than you. <clears throat> and there's a compulsion to get your opinion out there. There's a compulsion to put your idea to show, uh, why your thinking is more correct or right and the other person's thinking is wrong. That's that's an example of how we can feel resistance towards people or towards situations and things. There are a lot of things in life that we resist, like micro resistance, like maybe it's house cleaning or washing the dishes or washing the windows or <clears throat> doing yard work. I know I have a lot of resistance towards yard work. <laughs> partly because and, and this this is true partly because uh, there were definite times when having to do yard work at my house was more of a punishment. And so there's just a lot of negative stuff around that that I feel. And so when I think about having to go out and do yard work or think about some of these things, there can be resistance there. And if we're not careful, we can end up with all these little resistances to various different things. So we start avoiding, we start procrastinating. And in a sense, when we come at something that we are presented with in our life, no matter what it is, when we come at it with resistance, um, we're saying no to life. Again, this isn't like a, uh, you know, the kind of no where it's a catastrophe for you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like not saying no to life, like I'm not going to get out of bed or I'm going to do something worse to harm myself because I just want to check out of here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these little micro no's that we say, these little micro resistances that we have where essentially we're saying no to the things that life is presenting to us. And if we're not careful, we can be completely shut off and then resistance becomes a habit. There are a lot of people that they look for the thing that's wrong. Uh, I, I used to experience this a lot when I was more in the, you know, in the public eye. 
giving messages on Sunday mornings or whatever, um, <clears throat> where people would, you know, maybe agree with 75% or even 95% of what was said, but there's that one thing, that one issue that they feel they need to correct or that one thing that they feel was wrong, and that's where their attention and their focus goes towards. And so it can be kind of addicting to just sit around and bitch about everything that's going on in life, right? And there are people who bond around that kind of stuff. And so, again, this is sort of in a very subtle way, in a very series of small decisions, saying no to what life is presenting to us because we're approaching it with resistance instead of acceptance. And you really can't change things. I don't want to say you can't change things because I believe you can. Um, but there might be a higher way or a better way at going at something if we can come at it from a place of acceptance rather than coming at it always from a place of resistance. So acceptance is different than agreement. Acceptance says, uh, yes, this situation is here. This person, this situation, this chore, whatever it is, makes me uncomfortable. Um, I don't like it, but I can accept its presence. I can accept the reality that it's there. And you can do this with any issue in your life. Now, once you can accept something, then you're actually, and there is science to this, because when you're in resistance, you're in a moderate fight or flight state. And any kind of stress response, it's a moderate fight or flight state. And from a neuroscience perspective, the problem solving and creativity parts of your brain, the problem solving and creative parts of your brain are not as active <clears throat> because the, the blood, the energy is going into your limbic system of the brain. It's going into your feelings. It's going into your body, not necessarily conducive for cognitive problem solving or creativity. So it's not the optimal state to try to change something that maybe needs to be changed in your life. So accepting the things that are out there that you cannot change begins with accepting the fact that other people don't think like you and they're not supposed to. Um, not everybody's going to play life according to your rules. Not everybody's going to show up for you in your life the way you want them to show up for you. And a lot of people self-regulate internally. They regulate their emotions by trying to control everything and everybody around them. But again, we can stay in an environment that is not necessarily conducive for our growth. So in other words, we can, we can keep interacting with people that we don't necessarily have to interact with out of some sense of obligation, out of some sense of virtue signaling that, uh, well, I'm just showing them love and compassion when in reality in your heart or in your mind you're saying all of these things, but for whatever reason you keep subjecting yourself to the same situations and the same people over and over again that you feel a lot of resistance towards. You may notice that when you watch news programs or when you scroll too much in social media or whatever the case may be, that you feel that resistance coming. So there are changes that you can make to your atmosphere 
especially on these sort of micro issues like cleaning the house, doing yard work, dealing with people who have different opinions and ideas th- than you. And if you start saying yes to those things, you might find that your environment starts to clean up a little bit and it makes it easier to do the inner work. In other words, if you haven't done laundry in two weeks because you've been depressed or you've just been putting it off or you've been too busy and you got a pile of laundry somewhere, taking the time and the effort to get the laundry done, to clean the house, to do the yard work so that it's not weighing on you every time you look outside, oh, my God, I need to get to the weeds that I have outside or I need to mow the lawn or I need to do, you know, whatever the case may be. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like creating an atmosphere for yourself that can allow you to flourish. Sometimes even, you know, watching too many movies or um, what is it called? I haven't done it in a while. Binging, binging on a series, you know, binging on a Netflix series or a Hulu series or Max or whatever it is that you have or that you're watching is kind of an escape from life. It's an escape from the doldrums of life. It's an escape from all of those things that we've been putting up resistance towards in our lives. And however, being engrossed in a series or a movie, movie, not that there's anything wrong with binging or movies or anything like that. I'm just saying, think about how that's affecting and impacting your atmosphere overall. What could you be doing to improve the atmosphere of your life, to improve the ecosphere of your life if you weren't binging, if you weren't scrolling on social media all the time, if you weren't procrastinating, if you weren't saying these kind of little no's to all these various different things that happen in your life. And if that atmosphere changes, then you might begin to discover that your inner person changes without you doing any of the inner work. So this may require applying for a new job. This may require um, getting out of a bad relationship. This may require moving to a different town if you're able to do that. Uh, to get away from the atmosphere that is pulling on you, that is draining you, that is toxic for you. Uh, and it's okay to do that. You know, people, listen, when people try to make you feel guilty about something, there's almost always a, a benefit that your behavior is bringing to their life and they're trying to control you to keep that benefit coming in. And we all do this to some degree or another. So that's this first part is learning to accept there are things that I can change. I can change the paint on my walls if I want to. I can change uh, the order or disorder and disorganization that's in my home or in my office. I can change... Um, jobs by applying for another job or looking for other opportunities. Those are things that I can change. Some of the things that I can't change, I can't change the national landscape. I can't change what's happening in this country. My vote or my 10 people or that I'm going to persuade to vote my way is not going to change the economy. It's not going to change the price of gas. There's there that we are. We really are minnows swimming in an ocean. <laughs> we really don't have as much influence or power as we think we do over situations. That doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to advocate 
for social justice or to vote your conscience or get out there and work for a campaign if you want to try to persuade people to vote. I'm not saying that that's wrong, that it's not wrong in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying that sometimes we have to acknowledge that there are things in our environment that we cannot change. And there are things that we can, but all of them, if they're approached with resistance, are harder to deal with. If we approach them with acceptance and openness, we become more fluid, we become more adaptable, we become more creative, we access our problem-solving abilities. And so the practice of acceptance can be incredibly, incredibly powerful. Because when we're in resistance, something happens. We get out of brain and heart coherence. When we're in resistance, we become somewhat disconnected from our hearts. We become less open. We become more defensive. We become more closed off. We experience less connection. And if we do experience connection, we experience connection on a more shallow level than if we're operating from acceptance and we're operating from a place of having an open heart, having an open heart. So this is where the internal work has to happen, right? Friday night, Derek Day and I talked about forgiving yourself and talked about forgiveness in general. What is forgiveness? Um, I've thought about this a lot since I left the church. Because there was so much stress placed on forgiveness. God forgiving us, forgiving others, forgiving ourselves. And forgiveness, the, the, the teaching of forgiveness ha- can really be weaponized against people. In other words, if there's an expectation of forgiveness, and it's continually given, like Jesus told Peter, you know, if my brother sins against me seven times a day, shall I forgive him? And he says, no, if he sins against you 70 times seven, you should keep forgiving him. That's a recipe for abuse, man. That's a recipe for staying in an abusive relationship. So forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness and connection are not the same thing. And it's not saying it's okay what the other person did. It's not giving the other person a hall pass. It's not, uh, or yourself, if in the case of self-forgiveness, giving yourself a, a hall pass. I think we could really just make forgiveness very, very simple. Forgiveness is the pathway to acceptance. I accept that you're like this. I accept that you did this to me. I accept that this happened to me. I accept that I made some really awful mistakes in my past that both hurt myself and hurt other people. And instead of beating myself up about it or trying to avoid it or trying to self-justify or trying to make excuses, I can just be with myself and accept, okay, here's where I'm at. So a great goal for a new life (laughs) to be able to flourish is to come to the place where you accept your life as it is, you accept the things that have happened to you, and there's no more blame to go around. In other words, I'm not blaming and raging against my former self for my past mistakes. I'm not blaming anybody else for where I'm at. 
I'm not blaming life. I'm not blaming other people. I'm not blaming the person who hurt me or who abused me. I am accepting to come to the place in life where I accept that this is where I am in life. And there's no blame to go around. I think that's a pretty good definition of acceptance. It doesn't mean you continue in the same atmosphere like a toxic relationship. It doesn't mean that you don't change things. In fact, that's the first step towards change, right? So what happens, I, I can feel, I don't know if you guys can feel, but I can just feel like as I'm even talking about this, areas and layers of resistance that I've been carrying around in my own being. And as I talk about accepting this and as I talk about, you know, I'm at this place in my life and it doesn't matter what got me here. I'm here and I accept it and there's no blame to go around. And that kind of frees me from the past, but it also, I can feel the relaxation coming into my nervous system. I can feel peace starting to move in just because I'm letting go of resistance. It is what it is. <laughs> and not saying that flippantly, but really genuinely from a heartfelt place, operating and accepting. Here's the second part about acceptance that I want to get into. <clears throat> and that is... This idea, because we, we think we can control things that we can't, and we think that the way out of a problem is solution orientation. In other words, um, I'm going to figure this out on a cognitive level. Let's say a left brain perspective. I'm going to use logic, figure this out, and approach this with logic. And if I approach this with logic, then I can find the solution, and I can get out of this problem, or I can have a better experience. Future me can have a better experience than present me is having. And so we ruminate over problems. We, we get counsel. We talk about it. We think about it. We make our pros and cons lists when we're trying to make decisions and things like that. Or we could take a right brain approach and the right brain approach, uh, because typically this isn't true. This isn't true. By the way, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm reinforcing a cultural myth, but your left brain and your right brain are not what you think. Neuroscience has debunked this a long time ago. They operate differently. Yes, but one's not the house of logic and the other is the house of creativity, but that's how we think about it. So I'm using it as a metaphor, left brain, logical approach, Right brain creative approach. I know I'll use my creativity. I'll create a solution. I'll imagine a solution. I'll use the law of attraction and I'll imagine a different future for myself. And we're doing all of this stuff trying to get from A to B, trying to fulfill our goals, trying to be more successful, trying to be happier, trying to heal, trying to improve ourselves, whatever it is that we're trying to do, right? Coming at it from these uh, really mental approaches, even creativity and imagination is still sort of a mental approach, right? But there is, there can be, and all those things are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying when we buy into the idea that that's the solution, that that's what's going to fix it. If I can solve the problem, if I can think about it hard enough, if I can logic it and reason it, uh, hard enough, or if I can be creative enough, then I'm going to solve the problem. But there's also sort of this heart-centered approach where you're just in the present moment, where you meet each, where you meet life with openness and acceptance, 
from your heart, where you allow life to unfold just as it is from a place of emotional freedom, from a, from an open-hearted, accepting position, rather than from a stressing and struggling and striving and pushing and resisting position. Learning to accept the things that I cannot change and change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. But just meeting each moment, meeting each person with an open heart. And what does that do to the atmosphere that you create and that you carry? What happens when you meet someone with an open heart? Presence is so rare in our society for people. Uh, for someone just to be really present with them. Uh, you ever talk to somebody and you're sharing something, you just know their mind is not on what you're saying at all because they're preoccupied, they're fixated on something else uh, going on in their own life, or maybe they're just bored. But every once in a while, you meet somebody who just connects with you at a level of presence. In other words, there's there's love and acceptance there. There's an open heart there. There's presence there. And you're just holding space for that person as that person's sharing. And you really show up present. Have you ever tried <clears throat> not matching someone else's anger, not matching someone else's uh, frustration in conflict? Or you can tell that somebody's really worked up about something and you just meet them with presence and how that atmosphere of presence, that atmosphere of acceptance can actually shift their atmosphere. <clears throat> where you're just meeting them there. So let's take, since I started with a political example, let's take somebody that you totally disagree with politically. You totally disagree with them on social issues. You totally think that they're in the wrong. You totally think that they're part of the problem that's causing you uh, difficulty in your life because they hold a certain ideology. For those of us that deconstructed from... <clears throat> Toxic religion. Think about those people who are still in that toxic religion and they're coming at you with something and we want to defend and we want to push back. And there are times for that. Don't get me wrong. But what happens if you approach that situation and that person with loving acceptance? You approach that person with openness and you realize um, that poor soul. <laughs> you can even do it this way. Think to yourself, that poor soul has something in their life where they've gone unconscious. They're asleep. They're asleep to how this religious system's harming them. They're asleep to the game, the way the political game is played, and don't realize that they're just being basically sucked into the echo chamber. Um, whatever those Whatever those triggers are, you can look at it and say, what is it in me? that I'm needing to meet this person in this moment, I'm needing to meet this ideology, I'm needing to meet this opinion with so much resistance. Because that resistance is coming from inside of us. It's not coming from the other person. It's coming from within us. And to do a real exploration of self, to understand why is this bothering me? Why am I putting up resistance here? What am I judging right now? What am I holding? And you're going to get further with people if you meet them with open-hearted acceptance anyway. Like minds change in an atmosphere of safety. 
They do not change in an atmosphere of hostility. And if someone's mind is changing because of an atmosphere of hostility, then they're really just surrendering. They're really still not awake because they're just surrendering the control that one system or person or people group had over them that was probably driving them through hostility to begin with and generating that hostility. And then they're overcome and overwhelmed by the hostility coming from the other side. And so they shift and move their positions. But did they really move their positions or did they just exchange one system of control for another system of control and really don't have clarity of thought on how they think or how they feel? about an issue or a person or a situation. So people change best in an atmosphere of openness, in an atmosphere of acceptance, in an atmosphere of curiosity. I uh, was listening to uh, James Carville on YouTube yesterday, and he said something that just struck me. And uh, he said, you know, he grew up in Louisiana, and when he was a young man or younger boy, he was complaining to his father about stupid people. And he said his father looked at him and said, son, if you're going to rage about stupid people in Louisiana, he said, you're growing up in Louisiana. If you're going to rage about ignorant people, you might as well be raging at the grass. And he said at that moment, he changed his mindset and he said, I find, you know, and he called them fools. He's, he's really rough and gruff around the edges. But he said, I decided they were more entertaining. I decided that I enjoyed their company more. And he began to approach them more with curiosity. Well, what makes you think that? Wow, you really feel strongly about this. Where is this coming from for you? See, that kind of thing could be a real game changer for a person that could be a real game changer for you. If enough of us did it, it could be a game changer for our entire society because it seems like we're just constantly in resistance towards one another. But if we had real connection, right, real openness, real uh, curiosity about one another, desire to understand and approach people with that kind of a presence, what does this have to do with atmosphere? My question is, is like resistance that's coming from within creates a certain atmosphere around it, around us. By correcting things in our atmosphere, that can help us get out of resistance. Um, but when we're not in resistance, excuse me, when we're not in resistance, we're going to be less negative. When we're not in resistance, we're going to be more open to the flow of life and allowing life to unfold in front of us. When we're not in resistance, we're going to find it easier to forgive ourselves and to forgive others. And that's going to create a whole different aura around us. That's going to create a whole different atmosphere that we carry and that we bring with us into other people's lives and into situations and into encounters that we have. And it's so powerful that it can literally shift the atmosphere in a room. It can shift the atmosphere over a person. It can invite people into that same level of acceptance and openness. And we might find ourselves in our lives that we really begin to flourish as synchronicities begin to happen. Like this openness and this acceptance is really key to synchronicities. And instead of living life from a solution-oriented aspect, 
I need to be creative aspect. We can meet life when there's synchronicities. And when there's synchronicities, then we know that we're in flow. We know that we're showing up for life. When we can recognize synchronicities, we know that we're showing up for life and life showing up for us and we're in step. And when we're in step with life and we come at it from a place of more surrender and less resistance, then life just gets easier for us. So if you're on a healing journey, if you're still recovering from complex post-traumatic stress disorder, whether it was from family, whether it was from uh, your peers, whether it was from religion, doesn't really matter what the cause is. The effect of these things is always the same. <clears throat> and um, so one of the steps, like one of the things I said, when you're coming out of uh religious trauma or you're coming out of a narcissistically abusive relationship, the goal is to recover the authentic self. Well, in the process of doing this, another outcome that you can desire for yourself or you can want for yourself, if this feels right to you, is to live with less resistance, to start saying yes to life and all that it presents instead of the, the micro resistance that we go through every day of our lives when we say no to the unpleasant aspects of life that we have to take care of. And getting to a place of just accepting what is, uh, even the stuff that you don't like, and working on the things that you can change, accepting what you can't change, and having the wisdom to know the difference. So I know this was a shorter video today. I know I jumped on a little bit later. Um, but I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, thank you for watching this. If you're watching by replay again, thanks for watching. And uh, I'll be with you again next week.